0: My name is Roy Biancolana, I'm your host, and today I want to talk about breakups with you. And when I say breakup, I mean going through a divorce or being divorced, um, breaking up with someone or having them break up with you or dumping someone and having them dumping you. So in other words... No matter what side of the breakup you're on, whether you initiate it or you're sort of receiving it, I want to share with you um, how I wish I had handled those moments in my life, okay? So, right from the beginning here, I'm going to tell you that I did not do any, any of what I'm about to share with you, okay? Now, that was to my detriment. Uh it really led to problems. Now, back when I went through a divorce, because I've had one of those, I was also dumped by, by a fiance about six months before the wedding. And then I broke up with a bunch of girls online and a bunch of them broke up with me. So I'm speaking from real personal experience on you know, the endings of relationships. And back in the day... I just handled mine the best way I knew how. I mean, i was just trying to survive. You know, the pain of a breakup is one of the most intense things that you can experience. I think they've studied the major causes of stress in a person's life. And I think the number one cause of stress is the death of a child. And I think the number two is a breakup or a divorce. If it's not number two, it's in the top five for sure. So breakups, and it doesn't have to be a marriage either. Um, The heart is the heart and pain is pain and breaking up is breaking up. Um, They are some of the most painful things and we all do the best we can with that. And I know that I did the best I could, but looking back, oh my God, I did not handle it in in the best way possible. And perhaps as I share what I consider to be the most conscious and best way, the healthiest way to move through a breakup, you will look back on some of yours and say, Oh God, yeah, I wish I had known that then. Um, And so what I don't want to happen here is for anyone to feel guilty or for anyone to even have any regret. You know, we, we all do what we do. We all make the choices we make. We, we, we make them from the level of maturity and understanding that we have in the moment. You know, and in reality, when you look closely at that, you know, you, you can't act more mature, or you can't be more conscious or more wise than you are. Right? And so when I went through a lot of my breakups, um, I couldn't handle them in a more evolved way than I was. I, I, I just handled them the way I, I knew how to handle them. And I was just trying to survive and just trying to manage the pain. But man, I wish that I had some of the insight that I want to share with you today Okay? So that's why I've named this podcast Breakups, you know, how I wish I had handled mine and how I hope you handle yours. Because maybe you've been through a breakup or a divorce or been dumped before. I don't know. You might go through one again. Those things happen. And perhaps because I have so many podcasts that are available Perhaps you're choosing this one because you're right in the middle of it. Maybe a breakup or something like that has just happened, okay? So if that's true, I want to welcome you to this discussion. I want to be sensitive to the pain that you're in, but I want to kind of share with you what I wish somebody would have shared with me back when I was in the middle of that. Okay? So, sit tight, dig in here a little bit, and let's talk about this. Now, I'm going to go through and share with you three phases that we need to go through to handle a breakup in the most conscious way, in the best way possible. And what I mean by that is, if you handle your grief and the pain and the breakup properly, the, the the way you know you've handled it properly is that however long that process takes and, and, and however long the process takes depends upon how long the relationship was that has just ended. Well, I'll say more about that in a minute. But the way you know you've handled it consciously and the, the best way possible is that you're able to move on with, with an open and available heart, prepared to create something much healthier and sustainable in the future. That's sort of how you know you've handled a breakup properly. Is if you're better prepared for your next relationship, you're more available, you're more skilled, you are less likely to repeat any type of patterns that led to your previous breakups. But when you don't handle them in the ways that I'm going to describe, if you do it in the way I did through the you know, three or four major breakups I've been through, you are likely to experience something that I, I call the relationship groundhog day syndrome. And, you know, if you ever heard me talk on relationship topics, you've heard me use that phrase. I, don't, I think I coined the phrase. I don't know if anybody else has ever come up with it. I haven't trademarked it, so use it at will. I don't care. The idea is what's important. But if you don't handle your your breakup properly, you're liable to then just Continue on with your life and recreate a very similar dynamic in the future. You're you know, you're gonna live the groundhog day thing over and over again. And this is why this is why the divorce rate of a second marriage is much higher than the, the divorce rate for first marriages. Did you know that? I believe the divorce rate is between you know, 45 and 50%, depending on, you know, who's doing the survey and, you know, who you, who you talk to, but it's around 40, I call it 40 to 45%. I believe the divorce rate for second marriages is near 70%, okay? Now, the reason for that is because after the breakup or the divorce, people did what I did instead of doing what I'm going to share here. Okay, so I hope that sort of gets you grounded and gets you really interested for this discussion. And I'm going to walk you through three phases. Now, the length of the phases does depend on how, how deeply you do, do the work in each phase, right? If you really dig in and you do your work in in each one of these phases, you can you can really come out the other side ready to go much quicker than if you don't really dig in and do the work on each phase, right? So part of how how fast you work through the phases depends upon your, your diligence in doing your work. But the other part is the length and depth of the relationship, okay? Now, what I mean by that is if you dated somebody for a month and you were crazy about them and then they just disappeared on you and you never heard from them again, right? You're you're going to go through, that's a breakup, that's an ending, and it's painful, right? But your recovery and your ability to learn and be able to move on and shouldn't take you more than, say, a month or a month and a half to work through that, if that. But if you've been married for 30 years, you have children and all that kind of history and then somebody, you know, has an affair or does something and there's the ending of that relationship, working through these phases is going to take a little bit longer because of, you know, the depth of, of what you're sort of letting go of. Do You follow me? So nobody can tell you how long it's going to take you. I mean, I can't tell you, oh, if if you've been married 30 years, it's going to take you five months. No, that's that's ridiculous. There are people that try to give you a a number of months based on the number of years. There's actually a thought out there that if you're together for three years, it's going to take you three months to get over. If you were together for 10 years, it's going to take you 10 months to move on. If you're together for 30 years, it's going to take you 30 months, okay? Um, nonsense. And that there's, no, there's no way to predict that because a lot of your ability to move through the phases depends upon how serious you are in doing your own work. So you do your own work and things can happen a lot faster. All right, so I'm going to walk you through those three phases, but there's one question that I want to address very quickly before we get into that. And that is the whole issue of should I, shouldn't I ever get back with an ex after a breakup or a divorce or being dumped? If these things happen, sometimes we get back with someone. We go through a breakup and, you know, for whatever reason, whatever how much time we reconnect, and sometimes we get back into that relationship. So very often, my clients, Well, first of all, very often my clients come to me because of a breakup, right? So um, not only have I been through my breakups, but a lot of the people I work with are fresh out of a breakup and they're hurting. And so we work through these phases together. Um, But then sometimes in the midst of that, they tell me that they spent some time with their ex or they got together again and or hooked up and they're, they're thinking about getting back with them. And they ask me, you know, what about that? You know, what do you, what do you think? You know, and here's, here's what I say about getting back with an ex. There's certainly no right or wrong, right? That's, that's, that's ridiculous. But what I usually say is that whatever the issue was, that broke you up in the first place. Whatever the issue was, maybe there was irreconcilable differences. Maybe there was cheating. Maybe, you know, something else was going on or, you know, communication problems or being a emo- you know, somebody's emotionally unavailable or there's an addiction or something around money or dishonesty or something, Okay. Whatever the issue was that broke you up previously, if that has not been addressed and fixed and dealt with, then if you get back together again, you're going to run into that same problem eventually, right? Because very often you get back with someone because, well, one, you might be lonely, right? And and you miss the person and you're, you're just lonely. And and so you do that. Or sometimes when you break up with someone, you're breaking up because you feel like you're not compatible or something happened, but that doesn't mean you don't have chemistry with them. Right? So then when you see them, you spend time with them, you feel the chemistry, you feel the sexual energy there. And that can blind you on things. Right? Um, So if you get back together with someone for those reasons and you never really addressed the reason that broke you up, you're just going to get to that point again. So I tell my clients when they want to get back, well, I say, tell me, how has the issue that broke you up been dealt with? How is it not going to happen again? What's going to be different? What are you doing differently? What are they doing differently? Have you guys talked this through? Have you made new agreements? Have you worked through the pain? Have you communicated all the feelings? If, you know, have you really completed around whatever issue broke you up? And if you have, and you feel like we've both grown because of this and we've learned and we've, we've have a new understanding and we're showing up in a new way, then great. You get back to someone, get back with someone and it It will have a good chance of really working out. But if the issue has not been addressed and it's been brushed under the rug or excuses have been made or, you know, you're so lonely and in so much pain, you're just sort of ignoring it and just, you just believe it won't happen again. You just believe that magically you're going to have better communication or magically you're going to, you know, be more. Committed to fidelity, you're going to magically handle the money differently, or whatever it is. Then you're you're just setting yourself up to be hurt again because you're gonna you're gonna run in, run into the same wall. Okay, so be very careful about getting back with an ex. You really got to have some hard, difficult conversations. Okay, so that you don't have your own groundhog day with that person, (laughs) right? Say, we got back together again, and now I'm, I'm reliving the same breakup again for the same reason, you know? And if that happens, that's on you for getting back with someone and not having the issue be addressed, okay? Now, let's jump into the three phases. And the three phases are all G words. The phases are grieving, growing, and getting, mean, getting back out there, <laughs> okay? So the, the, the conscious way to handle a breakup or a divorce or being dumped, whether you're initiating it or not, is to grieve, go through that phase, to grow, go through that phase. And when those two phases are complete, you can get back out there, okay? Now, here's the way I did it. I skipped the first two and just got back out there. <laughs> That's very common, right? So I mean, a lot of us were in so much pain, the breakup, and, and people say, well, you know, you just got to get back out there. Just get back on the horse, you know? And for me, I was in such pain. The only way that I could figure out on how to, you know, to get over it and to handle the pain was just to meet a new woman. Just let me, let me meet somebody new and interesting. Maybe I'll forget about the last one. Maybe I'll quit obsessing and hurting and crying and and worrying and rehashing in my head. I just, you know, so like the replacement theory. Just get a new girlfriend. Help you forget about the last one. Well, that's what I did. That doesn't work. <laughs> um, it, it really hurts the new person because you're you're not really available to them you're just rebounding right so all of us know the dangers of rebounding but man how many of us actually do it we we know we shouldn't or we know when we meet someone oh man i don't want to meet someone who is you know been through a breakup in the last year i don't want to go out with someone if i find out that they've been divorced for you know less than a year or or god forbid if they're still you know, they're separated. They're not even officially divorced. Sometimes that can be very wise, right? But that's not the way I handled it. I just went from one relationship to another. And in fact, this will blow your mind. Um, From the age of 16, when I first met my first high school sweetheart, my first significant relationship with a woman named Jeannie, Um, When I was 16, all the way until I believe I was 46, okay, like 30 years, there was four, or was it five? I I think it was four significant relationships in there, and I never had one single day that I was single in between them, not one, okay? So what does that mean? Yeah, that means there was another relationship already starting when the other one was ending. Okay? My high school sweetheart thing, I, I met her like junior year, and I think we broke up around my sophomore year of college, and, you know, there might have been a week or two in there where I met my the woman who would be my first wife in college. But I don't know it. They might, have been, they might have buttered up right next to each other. I might have been grieving from that loss, you know, right when I met her. Um, and then, you know, when I was married, I had an affair at the very end of, of the marriage. I wrote about that in my first book. So I'm not proud of these things. It's just what I did. Um, I had an affair when I was married and I met the woman that I later got engaged to and she dumped me. And then there was another relationship right after that, right? So my, my point is, um, I did not go through the phases. (laughs) I just went all the way to phase three and just got back out there and, you know, it backfired, it backfired every single time. And, um, so that's how you're not supposed to handle them. But again, I have no judgment for you if if you haven't gone through the phases and you've rebounded and gotten into a relationship very soon after a breakup or maybe you know had an affair and met someone when you were still with someone else no judgment on that I don't I have no intention of wanting you to feel guilty or regretting you did what you did at the time it made sense to you at the time it made sense to me That was the only way I knew how to handle my life at that time. It was not very conscious. It created a lot of pain for me and everybody around me. Um, I wish I had known better, but I didn't know better. So having said that, let's circle around here and talk about these three phases. The first phase is you need to grieve the ending of a relationship. You need to feel the feelings. And allow them to move all the way through you. You, Now, this is grieving and feeling the feelings of a breakup, even if you're the one that initiated it. See, very often, if you initiate the breakup, you're not in very much grief. But, But that's a mistake. There is still a loss. At one point, you did love that person. And there's still a loss of a dream there's there's a loss of that relationship there there are perhaps children issues so e- even if you're the one like I like I with my first wife, I initiated the divorce, and I didn't feel sad because I didn't want to be with her anymore, but that doesn't mean that there were feelings underneath there. you know, we were married for nineteen years. we had a ton of history together. we had a son together. There were plenty of feelings for me to feel around that, okay? But I just jumped into another relationship with my ex-fiance um, and bypassed all that. and that came back to bite me. Okay, so grieving is a it's a complicated issue because there's kind of different kinds of grieving depending on if you initiated or not. Or how long the relationship was, and for the reason for the breakup. You know, when you suddenly find someone is cheating on you, and you discover it, it, it there's there's a shock. It's kind of a the grieving is is like a shock uh, intensity. That's different than if you're fighting for a while and you're fighting and you're fighting and you're going through some some counseling or you're talking to someone and it's just not working and you both look at each other and say, you know, I I don't want to do this anymore, right? There's not the shock factor. So the grief has a different kind of texture to it. So one of the things that's necessary sometimes is to talk to someone and work with someone in your grieving process so that you do the proper kind of grieving depending on your situation. You follow me? Because in all three of these phases, it really comes in handy to have an outside person walk with you because sometimes you're in so much pain you can't see the forest for the trees. Um, it really is helpful for someone to help guide you through the feelings and to sit with you in feelings and to help you process your thoughts and your anger and, you know, and the disappointment. You know, to, to handle that all by yourself um, is, well, that's, you're not being loving to yourself when you do that. And sometimes you can just have a friend a good friend who's a good listener handle that with you. But oftentimes you need someone who has a little bit more training to walk with you through stuff like that. It might serve you to have a coach or a therapist or a counselor that's not your friend to be able to guide you in that process. So, you know, and if you're familiar with grieving and, the psychology, I guess you could say, of grieving, then you know about Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's five stages of grief, right? Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and then acceptance, okay? And I find those stages, you know, really surface when there is a death or if it's a pretty long-term relationship that's, that's broken up. Right? But you might be able to really identify and work with those stages in whatever your grieving is. The important thing is that you sort of put yourself on the sidelines a little bit, relationally speaking, and allow the feelings, the space to come up in you. Really, the the essence of what it means to feel feelings and to be emotionally intelligent around the ending of a relationship in grief is to just give the feelings the space to come up and be welcomed, to be felt, and to be released. You you just got to create space and give yourself some time for the waves to come through. Very often at the ending of a relationship, these feelings come through in waves. And and sometimes you feel like, oh, I've I felt it, you know, and I'm feeling better now. And and then maybe a week or two later, you know, something reminds you of some someone or you hear a song that was your song or you see them or you see a social media post that they're dating someone and the waves come through. Right? And another wave happens. So you really want to create Space and time to let everything that's in you, even the things that you might not know that are in you, to give them the space and the time to come up into your awareness so that you can feel them and face them and process them and, and release them. And so to immediately jump into another relationship or to, you know, to kind of get back online, to kind of get back out there that's the opposite of creating space. You're meeting other people and you're putting other people and other uh, relationships and hopes inside of your body and, and that in a sense it clogs the grieving process. Because there's no space now to feel these feelings because you're beginning to think about someone else and you know you're trying to avoid the, 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 the feelings, you know, because they're painful. Right, Which is normal, right? I mean, pain, nobody wants to feel pain. Put your hand on a hot stove. You're going to move your hand. Nobody wants to be hurting, right? But if you don't allow yourself to hurt, it's going to come back to bite you. So you need to give yourself the, the space to not feel good, to cry, to even be angry, to be disappointed, you know, to, to feel all of that stuff in you. It's just it's just important to be kind to yourself in that way. Now, I don't want to go into a, a whole lot of real detail on how to be with those feelings because I've addressed them in other places. So I want to refer you to a podcast I've, I've done that was called What to Do When You're an Emotional Wreck. Okay? And it was podcast number 13. So you look at the Attracting Lasting Love podcast page and there's 50-some podcasts that are out. Number 13 is what to do when you're an emotional wreck. And I go through, you know, how to handle those feelings more specifically than I'm doing them here, okay? But it's really important that you give yourself some space. Now, how do you know... That the grieving phase is starting to get wrapped up. How do you know that you're ready to go on to the next phase? Well, one of the initial ways is that you notice the intensity of the feelings have significantly waned. They've decreased. Like you're not crying every day. You're not calling up a friend and, you know... Expressing how angry and upset and frustrated, you know, you're not obsessing about the relationship nearly like you were in the grieving phase. When I went through some of these breakups, I mean, um, man, I had obsessive thinking. I mean, the the last thought before I went to bed was about my ex-fiance. The first thought in the morning was about her. I'd be driving down the street. I'd be having conversations with her in my head blaming her, or arguing her, or, or kind of rehearsing a conversation I would have with her if I ever ran into her, right? So she was still in me. That's what I'm saying is, is I was still sort of involved with her in those kinds of intense ways. You know, the grieving phase is beginning to get wrapped up when that is starting to dissipate significantly. I mean, I still think about my ex wife and my ex fiance from time to time, right? But hardly is nothing like it was in the first few months, <laughs> okay? Right? So you, you sort of, this is only something you can be honest with yourself about. That is the grieving, is, is the intensity of the grief decreasing? There might be a wave of sadness that comes through and, you know, just, oh, man, i so disappointed that that happened, but it, it, it doesn't have the frequency. The, I mean, the, the how about this? The space between the waves is getting longer and longer and longer, right? In the beginning, when you're grieving, the waves are coming one after another, wave, 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 wave of grief, anger, disappointment, thoughts, and, you know, all that stuff, and then they, there's, there's open space between waves. And then it might be a couple couple of days and you feel great, you know, and then a wave comes through, maybe a couple of weeks. So one of the ways you know you're ready to move out of the grieving phase is when the intensity of the grief is just dropping away. I'm tempted to say that you know you're out of the grieving phase when you feel basically indifferent about your ex. When you could bump into him. And and not feel triggered. Or not have a reaction. It's like oh. Hi. How, how are you? What's going on? Right. And you're just indifferent. Okay. Um, I don't know. If I saw my ex fiance today. If I would be indifferent. <laughs> and it's been. Almost 20 years. And I haven't seen her in 20 years. I'm sure if I bumped into her. Oh my god. It would stir up some stuff maybe some sadness or I don't know what it would stir up, but I'm, I'm imagining something would come up. <laughs> okay. So the idea that you'd just be indifferent, like it's just another person you're bumping into that you, you know what I mean? It's like, no, that's ridiculous. That's expecting way too much. So there's a line, there, there's a space between, oh, uh, I've broken up and I've, I've grieved my feelings and, and now I just feel completely indifferent I mean, no positive, no negative, just neutral, you know, there's that side of the polarity. And then there's the intensity of the grief where you're crying, you know, every hour. Okay. It's somewhere in the middle there <laughs> when you know that, all right, so I'm getting a little space in me. There, there, I'm a little free of the intensity of the grief. And, you know, there still might be some feelings there that come up periodically, but when they do, you feel them. Right? When, when they do, you give them space, you let your body express that feeling in any way that it wants to if you feel sadness, you let yourself cry, if you feel angry, you beat the shit out of a pillow you know so you're moving that energy whenever it comes up. But you know you're ready for the next phase when there's a there's some space between the waves, okay and, and I think you'll just know in, in your heart of hearts, you will know, uh, I'm still in the grieving phrase here, and I'm not really ready to start to grow. I'm really, I still got to do grieving. In your heart of house, you'll know, okay? Now, when I say you move into the second phase of growing, I mean something very specifically. I mean that you have grieved enough to where you're able to look at your relationship and especially look at yourself in the relationship and learn all the lessons that that relationship was in your life to teach you. Do you follow me there? Growing means you're in a space of wanting to end blame completely. Okay? Okay. Blame is what you're doing when you're grieving. You're blaming and whining and complaining and, and all that, okay? No judgment, but that's what you do when you're in grief. There's, there's a resistance to it. There's a blame in it. Um, even if you initiated the breakup, you're still blaming your ex because they were X, Y, or Z. That's why I had to leave them, right? The signature quality of the growing phase is when you drop the blame and you take responsibility. You know you're growing when you begin to process what happened from the perspective of what did I do to create what happened? What was my part in getting us to where we got? What was I not paying attention to? What feelings were I, was I avoiding? What boundaries did I not set or agree to? What did I ignore? What red flags did I not pay attention to? What issues did I not address? What blind spot am I seeing in me that poisoned the relationship? What relationship persona was I in in the relationship that created a lot of our drama? How did my childhood conditioning play itself out in this relationship? One of the things that psychology has discovered is that we often attract partners who embody the negative qualities of our parents and we're looking to repair those wounds from our childhood through our partner. Okay, so when you're go- when you're doing that, you're going to create drama in your relationship <laughs> because your partner doesn't know that they are supposed to reparent you. They they're they're not equipped to be a better mommy or a better daddy. They're they're, they're not equipped to heal your abandonment wound. They're not equipped to heal your insecurities from your childhood. See what I'm saying? But we we go into a relationship with an unconscious sort of expectation that my partner is going to fill that void or fix that problem or you know, finish that story. Okay? So you know you are squarely in the growing phase, not when you're you know, kind of reflecting on the relationship and, and really doubling down on blaming your partner for what they did to you. That's not growing, <laughs> okay? That's going to keep you stuck forever. You, you'll never get over the relationship if you continue to blame, right? I'm not, let me mention that. Let me talk about that for a quick second. People say time heals all wounds. No, it doesn't. It really doesn't, Okay. The reason time doesn't heal all wounds is because as long as you're still blaming someone for what they did then what does time have to do with it If I'm leaving my ex and I'm blaming her for our relationship and it's been a month if I still think it's her fault and I'm blaming her 10 years from now I'm I'm still I'm still not over it I'm still What's the difference? I'm still blaming her, so I'm still upset about it. Now, maybe the intensity of the upset has waned a little bit, but I'm still in the same state of consciousness, whether it was something I'm blaming her for that was two months ago or two years ago. Time doesn't heal wounds. Ending blame does. Blame is is the tether that keeps us attached to the past. And when you're in the growing phase, you are in a phase of ending blame and taking responsibility. Now, when I say that, I do not mean to say that your partner didn't do anything worthy of blame. I'm not saying your partner was innocent and perfect and had no issues and no problems. No, of course they did. They're human. They had a lot of problems. If you were cheated on, and you had an agreement that you would be monogamous with each other, okay, they broke that agreement, right? So I'm not downplaying what the other person did. I'm just saying if you don't want to be in Groundhog Day and attract another person who's going to cheat, then you better ask yourself, what what was I doing or what was I missing to create a relationship in which infidelity happened, how can I take responsibility for creating an atmosphere where my partner would go outside the relationship for emotional or physical intimacy? Those are really hard questions to ask. Really hard questions to ask. But as long as you're blaming, you're, you're still tethered to the past. So the growing phase is its not just... Like reading books or um, talking with your friends about the the relationship that you'd like to be in. It's not about making a list of the qualities that you want in a new partner. Um, it's not about any of that. It's about doing the work of saying, what was my part in how that relationship went? And again, it's about looking for the areas that you're not aware of, your blind spots, your childhood conditioning, your relationship personas, your limiting beliefs, right? It's, it's really looking for how you've avoided feelings or how you handled agreements or the way in which you communicated, right? So it's, it's really looking in the mirror is what it is. This, the growing phase is when you look in the mirror, And you're facing yourself. The beauty of the growing phase when you do it like this, where you're taking responsibility, radical responsibility, where you say, that relationship would never have turned out the way it did if I didn't do X, Y, and Z. Again, it's not about letting the the, the other person off the hook. It's just about the only thing you can control is you. And you have this recognition, well, if I didn't do this or if I didn't have that relationship persona, if I wasn't guided by this belief, if I didn't have this baggage from my past or my childhood, well, then that relationship would never have turned out that way. I may never have even started dating them in the first place or I might have noticed something that happened in the first couple of weeks of a relationship and, you know, because I was so lonely I just ignored it, but I shouldn't have ignored it because I did see a character flaw and I didn't pay attention to it. And now it's manifested. How do I blame them for that? I'm the one that ignored it. You follow me? It's that kind of work that you need to do. And the ego hates it. In fact, as I say this stuff, there may be people listening that are are wanting to punch me in the face. For some of the things I, I've i already just said. Because it's not easy to shift from blame to responsibility. But that's where the gold is. Because the last thing you want to do is end up in another relationship with the same dynamic you just got out of. Whether it was, you know, addiction or some sort of communication pattern or some sort of sexual problem or infidelity or money issues or trust issues or whatever it might be. The last thing you want to do is meet a new person and recreate the same thing you just got out of. That's relationship groundhog day. And the only way that you don't recreate it is when you do the work about what you were doing to create it. <laughs> so when you do that work, now you're a healthier person. Now you're wiser. Now you're, you're not letting loneliness bl- bl- blind you anymore. You're not letting chemistry cause you to overlook things anymore. You're wiser about how your childhood plays out in your love life. You're, you're wiser about your personality type and the ways it can sabotage Right, And you're just better prepared for the next relationship. Again, that's why the second marriage ends at a higher rate than the first marriage. Because people don't do this. They might grieve, but they don't grow. They just go from grieving, okay, process all that, give it some space, and okay, get back out there. You're getting back out there the same person you were in the last relationship. And you're going to attract the same dynamics because your, your junk, I mean that lovingly, your junk, my junk, it's like magnetic. It attracts its reciprocal playmates. So whatever your your insecurities, whatever the things that I was doing in my love life to create these relationships that weren't working out, that stuff in me is like magnetic. It, it will attract the same kinds of dynamics to itself because it needs it it needs someone to play with like i've shared in a lot of my podcasts that i used to be like roy the rescuer I, I had such low self-esteem and such a lack of confidence in my own masculine self that the the only way i felt like i could get a woman to like me was about rescuing her and and making my life be about taking care of hers. And so I became an over-functioning Mr. Mom type immediately in relationships as a way to be indispensable to a woman, to, to rescue her. So I kept attracting women who needed rescuing. I kept the... Tra- Roy the Rescuer always attracts the damsel in distress. Has to be that way, Right. Roy the Rescuer is magnetic, but not to a healthy woman, to a woman who needs to be rescued. You, find, you, you follow that? That's the kind of work you need to do. And it's not easy on the ego. And you may kind of bristle at the idea of how were you responsible for creating an atmosphere in which infidelity happened. That That may be an insult to your ego. How dare you? You're victim shaming. No, I'm helping you not have it happen to you again. Because you were functioning in a way that contributed to that situation. I'm not saying your partner isn't responsible for their choices. Sure they are. But you were doing things, whether you know it or not, that contributed to the atmosphere in which this happened. It happened in your life. And so you had something to do with it. If you don't if you don't get at what that was, then you're going to recreate the th- the same thing again. So that's growing. Okay? Now, how do you know that you're you're completing the growing phase? It's real simple. If a person said to you, "Why did you why did the breakup happen? Why did you get divorced? Why did you divorce them? Why did you get dumped?" Why did you dump them? If someone asks you about that, you will have a very short, concise answer in which you only talk about yourself. Right now, if you ask me, Roy, why did you get a divorce from your first wife? My answer would be, was that my sense of self I had an, I, let me back up. I would say this. I had a feeling deep down inside of me that I was undesirable to women and we did not have a very good sex life. And so when I met a woman that wanted to have sex with me, it, it kind of felt like it was healing a deep wound of being undesirable. And so I cheated, right? You hear no blame of my ex-wife in that. It's it's about I felt undesirable. I wasn't getting that need met in the relationship, which the relationship is not supposed to do that. And I chose to go looking for a woman who would meet that need in me. Roy, why did why did, why did your ex-fiance dump you? because I had such a need to be desirable that I put so much pressure on her to have sex with me that she felt like she was always a failure and she was never good enough for me and she couldn't take it anymore. Do you hear that? There's no blame in that. It's like I was putting too much on her and she she couldn't meet my needs and she felt bad about that. And, and it, it, it pushed her away. It's, it, she felt like a failure, like she was not a good girlfriend because she didn't want to have sex twice a day, every day, okay? So the way that you know that you are ready to get back out there is when you can answer the question about your previous breakup and speak only about your responsibility, what you did to create it, and what you've learned about yourself. When you can articulate that, like when I can talk about Roy the Rescuer, because I was rescuing her, but she was rescuing me with sex. You follow me? When I can describe my persona or my blind spot or how my childhood wounding was being played out, when I'm talking about myself and what I did, to create the marriage or the breakup, then I'm ready to get back out there. But if there's any thought in you still that it's their fault, they did this to me, if you're still blaming and complaining and whining about you know poor you and what they did to you and it's their fault and you see yourself as this innocent victim uh, in the whole thing, you're not ready to get back out there because you haven't done your work and you're going to attract someone just like your ex and you're going to have the same dynamic all over again. Is that is that clear? Like sometimes I feel like maybe I repeat myself too much, but sometimes I feel like these these ideas are so deep you need to say them a couple times for them to register in our heads. Okay? So you know you're ready to get back out there when you're not blaming anybody anymore. That's it. When you're taking responsibility and you can articulate, well, this is what I did. This is how I got the marriage the way it was. This is what I did to get dumped. This is what I did to experience the breakup. That's my part. I know it. I see it. I've worked on it. Now, damn, you're ready. Now, just imagine that you're getting back out there. And it's not uncommon to be on a date with someone, maybe the first date, maybe a second or third date. But it's not uncommon to be out there and someone say to you, so, okay, so you're awesome. Why are you single? What happened? I mean, it's not uncommon for someone to ask you about your divorce or about what you've been through in your love life. Now, if you were to ask someone that on a date and all they did was blame their ex, oh, my ex was this, he's a bastard, she's a bitch, she did this to me, she did that to me, he's this, he's that. Now, how do you feel when you hear that? That kind of anger, that kind of bitterness, that kind of blame and resentment, does that make you feel like, oh man, this person's really ready to go. This person really has space in their heart for me. No, they don't. That bitterness and that anger and all that, it means they're they're still kind of involved with them. Do you follow me? But if you're on a date with someone, first, second date, and you happen to be brave enough some people say you shouldn't ask these kind of questions. I don't go by that. Ask just if it's on your mind, ask it. Be authentic. If you're wondering why they're why they were divorced, then ask it. If they don't want to tell you, they don't have to tell you. I mean, they can say I'm not comfortable sharing that with you. I just met you. That's perfectly fine too. So, but if you're on a date and you ask someone, so what happened? And 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 they they look at you in the eye and they say, "You know what? Um, I was an awful communicator." Um, didn't know how to handle my feelings, didn't know how to handle my, my wife's feelings. Um, just created a lot of distance and was not really present and able to talk about what I was feeling, what she was feeling. We didn't handle that kind of conflict well. Um, and yeah, and since then I've been working with a coach for a couple of years to, to help me learn how to communicate, you know, what I'm feeling and, 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 and just not do that again. Now, how do you feel about dating this person? (laughs) Right? There was no blame. They identified what they were doing. They told you that they've been working on that. Don't, aren't you like, yeah, this, this person is better because of his divorce. He's more ready for something real. She's more ready for something real because she's telling me the things that she's learned and how she's grown and how he's grown as a result of that breakup that is sexy but the opposite just filled with blame and resentment and you know anger and you know and all that ah, she's the ah, yeah she's a bad that ain't that ain't sexy so turn it around who do you want to be when you get back out there okay so then the third phase the third phase is um about getting back out there. And what does that mean? Well, that just means you begin to open your heart to something new. There's lots of ways to do that. You can do online dating. Um, or you can just live your life and do things you love to do and go places and be with your friends and you know, do your job and your hobbies and just trust that there's half the universe, ha- half the planet is single and just trust that you're going to bump into someone at the right time. You, you, so you can take, you can, you can take what I would call an active role and say, I'm going to go online and create a profile and do Bumble or, you know, uh, you know match.com or whatever. That, that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. Or you can do a, a kind of a trusting thing. Like I don't want to put a lot of effort in trying to find my partner. I want to live my life. I want to love my life. I want my heart to be open. Uh, um, I, 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 I want to be in the world and with friends and, and be available to people. And let's just see what happens because there are great potential partners everywhere, right? Now, I have created a whole podcast. Number five is called Straight Talk for internet dating, a whole podcast on how to do internet dating in the best, most successful way, and then I've also had a podcast called New Beginnings, number seven. Podcast number seven is New Beginnings: Where to Go, What to Say, and How to Approach a Potential Partner. So i I spend a whole hour talking about how to create a new beginning. You know where to go, how to approach someone or how to get them to approach you, what to say, how to initiate a conversation, how to flirt, okay? I've covered that. So I don't want to do that again here. And then podcast number five is straight talk on internet dating about how to do it, how to write a profile, what to put in, what not to put in, how personal to be, how not personal to be. I mean, you know, how to how to do the first time you meet someone, the whole process. I think there's principles and practices and profiles i don't know there's you know it, it's really in depth so that's podcast number 5 okay so this is the consci- this is the way i wish i had handled my breakup <laughs> okay i wish i had grieved and then i wish i had grown i eventually did but it was after my fourth breakup okay <laughs> So I wish I'd done it after the first one, but I didn't. Okay. So I created three or four more big drama breakups before I finally stopped and looked in the mirror, but I wish I had grieved. I wish I had grown before I had gotten back out there. And like I said, I eventually did. And that led to the relationship I've been in now for 14 years. I think I could have been in that relationship much sooner And skipped a few more broken hearts that I experienced and that I delivered to others. But I didn't. But you can. You can commit yourself right now to grieving, growing, and then getting back out there. And you you might find that, oh my God, I skipped those first two stages and I've jumped into a relationship. and, And you might need to back up and start over. You might need to go back and feel those feelings. Yes, it might be difficult to tell your new person that you're not ready for this, which is what happens in rebound relationships, right? Very often, the rebound thing, a person comes to their senses later, so I'm not ready for this. I do love you. I, 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 I am attracted to you. I do want to be with you, but I'm not ready because they skip these other phases, So I just want to finish this podcast and say wherever you are on this, I've been through it and I can help you. If you want to handle a breakup in the ways I'm just describing so that you don't experience Groundhog Day, then please reach out to me at 407-687-3387 or you can reach out to me via email at Roy at coachingwithroy.com. I love supporting people in what they can learn from a breakup. And in fact, in my first book I describe my breakup with my ex fiance, which really put me on a path of growing. Um, that it was like a it, it was like a gift from God. It was a a profound opportunity for spiritual growth, for real awakening, to really coming to terms with yourself. That's what a breakup can do. It can be a gift from God if you do the three G's in order. Okay. Until next time. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Attracting Lasting Love with Roy Biancolana. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with anyone you think might benefit from listening. Check out our website at coachingwithroy.com and tune in every week for more insights and wisdom on creating healthy, lasting, conscious relationships.